From this position, she could just see the top of the cenotaph, Sir Edwin Lutyen's memorial to the dead of the Great War. Interesting move, Maisie, said Macfarlane. He'd taken a second look at Maisie as she entered, his eyes glancing from the magenta two-piece costume Priscilla had persuaded her into buying, to her short hair, which was partially covered by a neat black narrow-brimmed hat in the fashionable Robin Hood style, embellished by a single grey feather. "'I'd like to be reminded of the reason I'm doing this,' she replied as she pulled out her chair. Huntley cleared his throat. Right. Let's start by going over a few points from our little chat yesterday. Macfarlane looked at Maisie and raised an eyebrow. The little chat had taken them down to Covent Garden, along the Strand, around Buckingham Palace, up toward Piccadilly, along Regent Street to Oxford Circus, and finally to Bond Street. The most crooked taxicab driver could not have taken a more rambling route, but... That was the informal conversation. This was the formal briefing. Huntley opened his manila folder, removed the green tags securing one document to another, and pushed a photograph of an older man toward Maisie. She estimated him to be in his mid-sixties. Leon Donat, engineer and man of commerce, age at the time of the photograph, taken by his daughter, sixty-five. He is now almost seventy years of age. Mother was French, father British by way of Italy. Donat took over his father's machine tool factory in Birmingham at age twenty-five. No wartime service. On paper, he was obviously too old for service in 1914, but he was very useful to us anyway, because his factories, he'd expanded the business considerably, were requisitioned for the manufacture of essential parts required for the production of munitions. He expanded into France following the war, as well as Germany. Plus, he diversified. In France, he went into production of foodstuffs from imported raw materials. His wife, incidentally, passed away four years ago. Donat is known for inspiring great respect among his employees, which has led him to achieve quite enviable production records. He provides educational grants for children of staff, and he will never see an employee sick without paying for medical attention. It has paid off. He has channeled a good deal of money toward worthy causes and is a respectable and respected man, a man in the mould of a Victorian paterfamilias. His foray into publishing academic texts in the areas of engineering, mathematics, and physics seems to have been born of a desire to diversify, and of course the business was not profitable, so it became advantageous with regard to taxation. He paused, passing another sheet of paper to Maisie. Well, as we know, it seems parties are the places to meet people. Lawrence Pickering was invited to a reception at an engineering conference where he was asked to speak about the role of academic publishing in the education of young, technically-minded students. And there he met Leon Denart. Denart, as ever, was on the lookout for investment opportunities, and he realized that Pickering's fledgling company could do with some help. 
He took an interest which in turn led to a partnership. Donat was just the person Pickering needed at just the right time. Initially, Donat was the silent partner behind the Pickering Publishing Company, but his involvement increased. Though it appeared he took care not to tread on young Pickering's toes, Donat did not run his businesses like a dictatorship, but preferred to nurture talent. By way of information, as you know, Lawrence Pickering met Douglas Partridge at a party, and that's how he also met your former secretary, Mrs. Sandra Tapley, who subsequently became an employee of the company. Huntley paused and flicked over a page. During the years of your absence, Leon Donat became increasingly involved in the company, enthusiastically supporting Pickering's plans for expansion. From a commercial standpoint, he was right to do so.